Wow, thank you. Who, uh, thank you. That was amazing. Beautiful sense of Jesus with us. Um, okay. Did you know I was speaking about the Father in this session? Oh, good. I, I thought that was it's either a huge encouragement for me, or you're very prophetic, uh, or, or, or you already knew, and it's just encouragement anyway. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak about God being our Father today. I have got, a, a, I think, a PowerPoint, Andrew, is that right? It's going to come up at some point. It'll be later on. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, but yeah, I just want to follow on from this morning. Obviously, we talked this morning about um, doing the stuff that Jesus did, and I, and I shared about these two revelations that are really key if we want to live this life over the long haul, and that's knowing God as Father and knowing who he says we are. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to do identity and now I'm going to look at God as our father and remember I said we all know that this is true we already we all know that God is our father but there's there's always more revelation for us to step into in terms of knowing God as our father and I I've been on this journey of learning about God as my father probably for about 15 years and I feel like I hardly know anything do you ever do you ever get like that you think oh I had all these amazing revelations and it's changed my life but then I'm still like father do I really know you I'm just like god I need I need you to show me more and uh, I think god far too often looks too much like me and not enough like who he really is and how huge and vast he really is so uh I'm just longing for more I actually I actually did a, a week-long father heart score a couple of years ago and that was intense I was away I went away for a week I was trapped and uh, it was it was vulnerable for me because I usually lead stuff like at the King's Arms we've run Father Heart conferences for years and I'm usually in the know I know what's happening I'm leading I'm teaching so I went away on this school for a week and it tapped into all my insecurities and I'm not in control and I don't know what's happening and what are they going to ask me to do and it was it was intense but it was very good to put myself through it and um God did amazing stuff, like amazing, deep, deep stuff. And But yeah, I mean, there's so much more. <laughs> so there's deeper revelation. Um, we need the Holy Spirit, as I've said, so it's good that he's here. And uh, so I just want to teach a little bit, and then we're going to have a chunk of time to pray. And um, uh, just to reiterate again, I think Jesus, I think his, his primary... Um, motivation for coming I think actually was to reveal the father I think um, he wanted to reveal the father because ultimately it was all about adoption you know the, the the best thing about the cross isn't that your sins are forgiven the best thing about the cross is that you you can be adopted that's what it's about it's about our adoption and knowing the father and Jesus came to show us what the father was like he said to his disciples in John 14 anyone who's seen me has seen the father and if you just look at Jesus' ministry and you look at the miracles and the teachings, it was all about revealing the Father. One of my favorite things to do is to look at Jesus and how he interacts with women in Scripture. And some of the, the most precious stories for me, obviously as a woman, that just relates to me. But the woman caught in adultery and the woman who poured the alabaster jar over Jesus and uh, the, the woman at the well and looking at how Jesus interacts with these women and the women with uh, Jesus with Mary and Martha and 
He just shows grace and kindness and he weeps at the tomb of Lazarus even though he knows he's about to raise him from the dead. That shows us he just is emotional. He, he enters into our pain. I mean, you can learn all sorts of things about the Father by just looking, looking at what Jesus is like. It's so beautiful. And um, the reality is we all know this truth. We could look at Jesus and we could shout out things about Jesus and we'd learn loads about the Father. And we know the truth, but often, as I said in the, in the last session, often we, we can know the truth as head knowledge. But it doesn't always really go deep into our spirits. And, um, and I, I, think, I think often when it comes to knowing God as Father, the challenge for us in, in really having the truth go deep is that we have all experienced people in our lives who have misrepresented the Father to us people that we love, people who we admire, people who have significant positions of authority in our lives, who have misrepresented the Father to us, and therefore it's warped our perspective of God as our Father. You see, the reality is, we know this is true, all of us have been made in the image and likeness of God, right? So the way God chose to reveal himself was through men and women, right? We're all made in the image and likeness of God. And so it's God's plan. Ultimately, it was God's plan that we would be able to look at the significant men and women in our lives. And by looking at the significant men and women in our lives, parents, church leaders, teachers, we would be able to look at them and see a glimpse of what the Father's like. Like they would represent something of the Father to us. That was the plan that because we've been made in his image and likeness, we'd be able to look at mothers and fathers and men and women in leadership and look at them and think, oh, that gives me a glimpse of what the father's like. But, but the, the sad thing is, is obviously sin has entered into the world. We've gone into, the, we've had the fall and there's brokenness and there's mess and there's pain. And we're, we're broken, which is why Jesus came. What that means is we have all looked at men and women, mothers and fathers, church leaders, men and women in the church, men and women teachers, and we've looked at them and instead of seeing a beautiful reflection of what the father's like, we've seen a broken reflection of what the father's like. And what that does is it causes a filter to go across our hearts so when we look at the father, we tend to look at him through some of those broken interactions. Just as an aside, because I like to just stir the pot a bit, and I know, I know I'm speaking to people who are passionate about this um, anyway, and are living it, um, the fact that God made men and women in, in his own image to reflect the Father means that it's super important that we have both mothers and fathers in the church, visible and leading. Just want to chuck that out there. It's really important that we see mothers and fathers. If we only see fathers, we do not get a full picture of God. It's very important. Anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, we, we end up having a, a slightly distorted, a distorted image of the father because we have experienced uh, a misrepresentation of the father through significant relationships. And it puts a filter over our hearts, so we end up seeing him through those filters. Okay? And so although we know the truth about who God is, our hearts often respond differently because our hearts have been impacted by these filters, by these relationships where people have misrepresented him. So I want to just talk through some common filters that we might look at the Father through based on our relationships with our um, 
There we are. Um, based, based on our relationships with our mum or dad or teachers or men and women in the church. And I just want to talk through some of these um, because the way that you see the Father more clearly is to remove some of those filters. And the way that you remove some of those filters so you can see more clearly is to forgive the people who've misrepresented the Father to you. Okay? And it's a journey to go on. And there's always more. Okay? You don't ever arrive. Woohoo! I now have a perfect reflection of the Father. Uh, the great thing about going through this process for us as sons and daughters of God is it will also impact how we're able to re- represent the Father to others. Okay, so just as a quick aside before I go through this, if you are a parent in the room, please try not to panic. Okay, when I talk through these things, I think sometimes what happens is the parents go, oh no. Or if you're a church in leadership in the church, oh no, I've misrepresented the father big time. I've screwed up my kids. Like, don't, don't, don't panic, okay? Because the reality is all of us are broken. All of us are going to misrepresent the Father, actually. Um, And uh, there's grace for that. And God covers all of that. And because we know Jesus and we're teachable, we can repent and apologize where we we get it wrong. Okay, so don't panic. Um, And uh, we're all on a journey of learning to represent the Father better. But come to this as sons and daughters. And I want us to be thinking, how am I seeing the Father and I want us to be thinking about this, not just what do I know in my head, but what, what am I actually living with in my heart, okay? So let's look at some of these, and then I'm going to talk through how we can step into freedom and get rid of these filters. So first, first common filter is some people see God as conditionally loving, whereas he obviously loves us unconditionally. We know he loves us unconditionally, but sometimes we don't live like we really believe that because of filters, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? His love for you, his love for me is completely unconditional. There's no strings attached. It's nothing to do with us. But I do know people who have grown up with parents who only ever showed them affirmation when they achieved something. So they were only told that they were loved when they performed, achieved when they did something well. That's the only time they heard it. And the the challenge with that is it can lead you to believing the lie that in order to be loved, I have to perform, I have to achieve, I have to reach a particular goal. In other words, love is conditional. And the the sad thing about that is if you look at God then through that filter, you, you end up believing the same about him. In order to make him love me, I need to perform, I need to achieve, I need to jump through certain hoops, I need to be good at this, that and the other. And the way you really know you're living with this filter is when you mess up and you beat yourself up and you suddenly think God's going to withdraw his love. (laughs) But because of his grace, his love is completely unconditional. It's very difficult for us to really grasp that. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. I remember I used to live like this thinking that I had to perform to receive God's love. And remember, the revelation came for me when I was in a time of worship, and I had been serving the church. Um, I took a year out to serve the church, and I was doing everything. Um, and I was, I was burnt out, to be honest, at the end of the year. And I said to God, I'm not, I'm not serving anymore. I was really not in a good place. But I'm not serving anymore. And I rocked up to church, um, with no intention of serving, and I wasn't serving, but in the worship time, God really met with me. Like, it was a powerful encounter. 
And I remember thinking, why are you meeting with me? I'm not doing anything for you. It was, it was so profound. I just really didn't expect God to pour his love out on me anymore because I'd stopped serving. And God just broke in in that moment and taught me, me meeting with you has nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with what you're doing. It's because I love you. That was a profound moment for me. So that's one common filter. Second, uh, some people think God is poor at, communi- poor at communicating, but he's actually a really good communicator. Unlike me, just there, trying to get that out. <laughs> Psalm, Psalm 73, 24, you guide me with your counsel. You know that this filter is over your heart when it comes to the Father when you've got a big decision to make and you f- you're freaking out. If you have a big decision and you're freaking out and like panicky and anxious you possibly have got this filter over your heart because you have a father who is brilliant at communicating. And he is not going to let you go the wrong way. A friend of mine uses this brilliant example. He's got, he, had, he had little kids at this time. But he said, if I go to the park with my kids and the littlest is on a bike, and we pop into the park and it's very safe and you can either go right or left, and when he gets to the junction... What, what am I going to say to him? Well, you go, which, one, which way do you want to go? It doesn't matter. And often I think our decisions with the Father are like that. It doesn't matter which way you go. You can go this way or you can go that way. And I think sometimes we get really het up. I must make the right decision. I think if we're panicking like that, we don't realize that he's a good father who communicates really well. So you can choose which way. But if the littlest boy then goes towards a path that leads to a road, what's he going to do as a father? He's going to cry out. Zachary, don't, don't carry on. Wait for me. Okay, now if Zachary does not listen and starts to go close to the road, what is he going to do as a father? Zachary! And he's going to run and stop his little one going into the road. Now, he's an imperfect father. So my, my question is, are, are we believing that our Heavenly Father loves us that much? that he is going to, if we're stepping into something that's not all right for us, he is going to make it very clear. And I personally like to live with the mindset, the light is green unless God says it's red. And I think, I think often we can think the other way around. It's, all, it's a stop sign unless God says yes. But I think for me, it's, it's a, you can go for it unless I say no. Uh, another one. Some people see God as controlling, but he's really releasing. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Um, is this being recorded at all? Is there any way of cutting this bit out or somehow? I just want to talk about, talk about something that I don't really want recorded. Is that a real pain in the backside? Oh, sorry, live stream.
you can bring the live stream back. Thank you. And just to say on this, I've had to learn, you know, the, the, there's a commandment that says, honor your mother and father. It's really important that we honor our mum and dad. This is not about bashing our mum and dad at all. But what I have personally realized is that I'm able to honor my mum and dad loads more now, having processed some of the pain that I've experienced where they've misrepresented the father. My relationship with my mum and dad is brilliant. Um, but it's because I've gone through this with quite a lot of different things. Other filters. I'm not going to go through all of these in detail, just so you know. Judgment and Some people think God is judgmental and critical, but the truth is that he's understanding and he accepts us in Christ. Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Some people think God is unreliable, but the truth is he is completely trustworthy. Isaiah 26.1, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. What was interesting is that this Father Heart School week I was on, I had a profound encounter, which was surprising. I wasn't expecting it. And it was in the session where a woman actually spoke about the mother heart of God. We don't talk about this very much because God is a father. But he does describe himself quite a lot through language in scripture about mother characteristics as well. And if both men and women are made in his image, then he has the characteristics of both father and mother. And she did this talk, and she talked about a scripture in Psalm 22.9. And it says, Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. And she spoke about the fact that we learn to trust from our mums. And it was profound for me. And she said, if, where there's an absence of trust, there's anxiety. And I was feeling really anxious at this week. And God just broke in in that moment and dealt with some deep pain about having not trusted my mum at, at a deep place when I was really, really little. And uh, it was profound. And so I just want to encourage you guys. I don't fully understand all this stuff. I can just tell you my story. Uh, but it's been really important to look at both men and women and what they've represented to me. Some people think God's cold and aloof, but he is warm and affectionate. Psalm 63.1, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. He is warm and affectionate. And often, again, it's our mums we run to for comfort, isn't it? Um, and some of us have never received comfort or affection from our mums. Or they've maybe tried to comfort us, but we've shut ourselves off from them for whatever reason. And so we've never learned how to receive comfort. I think that's true for a lot of people in the church. We've never learned how to receive comfort from our mums, so we don't know how to let the Holy Spirit comfort us. And so we try and comfort ourselves by doing all sorts of other things. Comfort eating, relationships, box sets, gaming, social media. We look for other ways to comfort ourselves because we've never learned to let the Holy Spirit comfort us. So we've got to learn. I'm on a journey of learning. What does it mean to let the Holy Spirit comfort me? Because I became pretty independent at a young age. So I was just like, right, I'll sort myself out. I'm having to learn. Okay, as a daughter, what does it mean to come to my father and let him comfort me? Some people think God is disinterested or absent, but he's attentive, he's attentive, attentive and sensitive. Psalm 1214, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's always watching over us. Some people think God is dishonest, but he is honest. 
Titus 1-2, God who does not lie. He can't lie. He does not lie to us. Some people think God is abusive, whereas the truth is he is protective. Proverbs 2 verse 8, he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. I remember processing once outside my house. And uh, I think it was, the, I mean, I've done so much processing. I think this particular time was to do with being single and that never being the dream for me. Um, I'm actually now really fine with it and I'm happy to preach on it if you want me to. Because I think, anyway, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I think marriage is an idol in the church, just as another, as another aside. And we don't understand what the Bible actually says about singleness, which really annoys me. Um, anyway, I digress again. Bring it back, bring it back. Um, but uh, I, I was processing it, and, and God just spoke to me, I am fiercely protective of you. I was like, whew. It was amazing. It was a profound moment. The truth is, if we don't know his protection, we'll try and protect ourselves. And we'll shut ourselves off to protect ourselves. Therefore, we won't be able to receive all that God's got for us. Uh, some people think God is unforgiving, but he is completely forgiving. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Wow, that's a long way. <laughs> that is a long way. Um, some people think God is stingy. He is generous. James 1.5, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. He's generous. I actually learned about this from my, my dad. I, I felt like I got some revelation of God's generosity from my dad because what, after I'd written my first book, my dad's a salesman by trade. I'd written my first book and he took a whole box. So said, let me take them off your hand. I'm going to sell them to people. And it was really quite embarrassing, the people he was selling it to. People who weren't Christians. There'd be, there'd be flower sellers at the end of the road. Excuse me, uh, my daughter's written a book. Would you like to buy one? I mean, just everywhere he went, he sold my book. And it was quite embarrassing. But in the moment, God really gave me a revelation of his generosity, of how, how much he wants to bless me through my dad and how he was there. And so it can work both ways. Sometimes we get revelation actually from our parents or church leaders or teachers about what the Father's like. So these are some common filters. And so, as I said before, this is a journey, a lifelong journey. You will never get to the end of this. There's always deeper revelation. There's always more to understand and get, get revelation of. But we can go through a process of removing the filters. And so uh, let me tell you briefly how to do that, and then we're going to pray. How do you go about removing the filters? Well, as I've already said, a, a key part of the process if, is forgiving people. So where people have misrepresented the Father to us, inadvertently, not intentionally, it doesn't matter. We still need to forgive them where they've done that to us, okay? Because it will help us to see God more clearly. And as I said in Matthew 18, Jesus says, when we forgive, we need to forgive from the heart. So your heart needs to be engaged with the process. And that is a journey all in itself. Allowing your heart to feel takes practice. Okay? I used to be emotionally shut down. Anyone relate? I won't show you. <laughs> Mike's happy. Yeah! It's brilliant. Don't have to feel anything. <laughs> I used to be like have an emotional flat line. I just didn't used to feel anything. But under the surface, there was a whole load of stuff going on that I wasn't aware about. 
And um, I would just, I just really would want to encourage you, don't settle for being emotionally disconnected. I really, really want to urge you, male or female, this is for everybody, the most emotionally healthy being who's ever lived is Jesus. Okay, he got angry, he experienced joy, he wept at the tomb of Lazarus, even though he was about to raise him from the dead. He was full of peace, he was full of compassion, he was perfect in his emotional health. And I think too often we settle for emotional flatline when that is just not God's good, he's not, God's not, not God's best for us. And so I, my testimony is you can go from being an emotional flatline to being connected emotionally. I'm still learning about anger because that's a bit of a weird one, but I'm getting there. It's very liberating to be angry. It really is. We don't teach about that in the church, do we? It's really good to be angry sometimes. God gets angry. If we're not angry, there's actually a problem because he gets angry about stuff. Injustice, for example. Sickness. He hates Um, so go on a journey all I started to do was say God, my heart, there's something not quite right please connect me do something and I just prayed it whenever I thought about it and over the years God's done that and I'm still praying it, I still need more so here's the process we go through you might already have a memory where you know someone's misrepresented the Father to you or you can just say, Holy Spirit Can you show me if there's a memory that you want me to remind me of because of it that's that's causing me to see the Father in a wrong way? Just ask the Holy Spirit. He knows. Don't go digging. If he doesn't show you anything, don't strain. Oh my God, it must be something. You can trust him. He's a good father. The Holy Spirit will show you if there is something. And so he'll often give you a memory so the process is what I've described really. You picture the person in front of you who you need to forgive and you express your emotion to them. When you did this, when you didn't do this, this is how it made me feel. This is the impact on my life. This is what it's meant for me. And you've got to get all of your pain out and not filter it and it takes practice. And I'm still learning how to do this and I've been doing this for many, many years. Because what we want to do is we want to jump to justifying. But I know you only did it because of this. Or it wasn't as bad as that person. And we kind of short short circuit the process we don't allow ourselves to fully feel what we need to feel because they had it bad I understand why they did it they did the best they could all that is true that doesn't help you get free okay you've got to get all of the pain out in a safe place with the father and um, if you're struggling to connect with your feelings you can write down what you want to say just write it down on paper sometimes that's easier to express and then read it out This is what I want to say. It's like writing a psalm. Let's write it out. Thirdly, forgive. And if it helps you to picture the boat and cutting the rope and sending them out, do that. And if you want a bomb to explode in the boat, bring it back and do a bit more processing. Okay, I haven't quite released them. God, and I need to say this. There's one more thing I need to say. And then forgive them. And your aim is to bless them to release them and to say, Father, I want to pray that you would bless them. Just speak blessing over them. And then last part of the process is ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, where were you in the memory? What were you doing? What do you want to say? What, what did you think about this? What's the Father really like in this situation? 
and let him show you where he was. I tell you, it totally, it totally changes the memory. I'll just tell you one quick story before we pray. I was praying for a lady doing this process. The, the challenge she had was she always felt overlooked. And so we, we actually, she, that was what she came to us with. And we said, okay, let's ask the Holy Spirit where that came from. And, I, and we prayed. And God gave her a memory. And it was of a school play. And she was a little girl, and in the school play, she always wanted the starring role, but never got given the starring role. And in this particular play, she'd been put in the chorus line at the back. So she wanted the part where she was at the front, and she was stuck on a bench at the back. And she just, there was loads of pain in her heart about this thing. So we got her to express her pain, and she talked to her teacher, and, you know, we were just in this room, she was talking to her teacher, and she forgave her teacher. And then we came to this, almost my favorite part, came to the point of, let's ask Jesus where he was in the memory. And so we prayed, and all of a sudden, a smile came on her face, and she started to weep. And we have, you have to wait for a bit, but you're desperate to know, oh, where was Jesus? And uh, she just was crying. I said, oh, can you see him? So it was so funny. I said, where, where was Jesus? And she said, um, he stood on the bench next to me. And I said, what's he doing? And she said, he's singing really loudly so that everyone looks at me. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Just amazing that she saw Jesus. Like, I can imagine. <laughs> Just like causing this mayhem so that all the people are looking at her on the bench, not other person in the front. Isn't that amazing? It completely turned around the memory for her. She realized Jesus had seen her, and the Father sees her. It was amazing. So, there you go. Listen, it's, it's, there's always more to realize. God is so kind and patient and lovely. Um, but I want to encourage you, don't settle for not knowing him fully. If there's anything that feels a bit off, ask him, God, where's that come from? Why am I thinking that about you? See what he shows you. Go through this process. Step into some freedom. Let's stand together.